take your seats, or if you're already at home, please take a sip of the cup of coffee that was right next to you. We know how it rolls. We remember that season. I am so excited to be with you all today, and especially to be in the room without a mask on. And uh, so those of you who've not seen me for a few months, this is what I look like. <laughs> and so you recognize me when you next see me, this is what I'll be like. And, uh, but I'm so thrilled to be here um, on, this, on this devastating day for us because we've heard the news of Phil, um, Phil moving on. But he, Jesus is going with him. And Jesus will still be here with us as well, so don't panic. Otherwise, everyone will all be moving to Cornwall, and then there really will be a challenge to find housing there. But no, um, we, we know that when God calls us to do something, the best thing to do is to obey. Even if it doesn't always make sense, and even if there's uncertainties, and like, whoa, how's it going to work? But that we follow what the Lord tells us to do. And I, I want to encourage you today to have your hearts open to what the Lord has for us. Um, in many ways, Phil's life in this moment in time, is my visual aid for us. That we will obey the leading of the Lord in everything that he calls us to do. Even if that makes you seem a little bit weird, strange, or crazy, and some of you are looking at me and thinking, he's weird, strange, and crazy. But that's okay, we don't mind. Because we don't look for our affirmation from those around us, do we? If, we? if we do that, then there'll be times when like, yay, people love me, and then the next day, no, they don't. <laughs> But we look for our affirmation from the Lord. And the good thing about the Lord is he already knows all your mess. <laughs> he knows all the stuff you've done wrong. He knows the ways that you've messed up. He knows the ways you've let him down. He knows all that and he still says, I love you. You're mine. Come to me. Come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's Jesus speaking, not me. He says that. He says, listen, listen. Um, I, I don't know what you've thought about this last time. These last few years have been unsettling for many people in many ways. And I'm not just talking about personal circumstances. Uh, do you remember, I'm going to take you back a bit. I hope you don't get any traumatic flashbacks at this moment. Do you remember Brexit? Do you remember, do you remember when the newspapers were filled with Brexit? And I, I remember having conversations with people like, my goodness me, this is really shaking up the nation and Europe. Can things get any worse? And then coronavirus went, hold my drink. <laughs> Let me show you what we can do. I mean, if this is, this is, there is a shaking that is going on in the world, and you don't anymore need to be a prophet to see it. There was a time when the, there was a time when the prophets were there saying, God is going to shake the nations. There was a time when the prophets were speaking saying, there is a shaking that is coming. Are you ready for it? <gasps> How's that? Is that better? Yeah. I do. If I, if I start shouting, it's because I get excited. Um, I, I try not to be too Pentecostal. Uh, but we are, we're Pentecostals, aren't we? Uh, yeah. And we're even getting some amens going in this room. Do you know what? If you're at home, say amen as well if you agree. If you don't agree, you can just complain on the chat. <laughs> and then remember, you're going to have to repent later because Dom says complaining does nothing. Uh, you have to... You have to worship the Lord anyway. But no, let, let's, let's engage with what the Holy Spirit is doing because these are times of shaking. There are seasons of shaking. And we know from the scriptures that these times of shaking are going to come. Do you know what I love about the Bible? There's so many passages that you read and people have read them in the past and gone, ah, that sounds scary. And then you, you come to 2021 and you go, yep, that's life. <laughs> that's life. This has not taken the Lord by surprise. That's what I'm saying to you. 
This season has not taken the Lord by surprise. Indeed, he will use this to bring about his end time purposes. And the only question is, are you in on those purposes? Are you up for being part of it? Are you willing to partner with what God has for you? I wonder about this day of Pentecost. Do you know when Jesus died and came back alive again, there were 500 people, the Bible tells us, who saw him alive. 500 people. Who would like to have been one of them? I mean, actually seeing the physical resurrected body of Jesus before you. You're there speaking with him, maybe even sharing food with him at that moment. And everything, all that fear that must have been built up inside just evaporated and dissipated. Boom, gone. A bit like when Kevin, do you know what? I almost came up and went, Kevin gave the word today, let's all go home. (laughs) Because it's not going to get any more complicated than what he's shared. It's time for the church to rise up in freedom because we understand that though this shaking is happening, what we're standing on will never be shaken. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, verse 26, who's then the earth, but now he is promised saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. And this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as the things that are shaken, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. The only things that are going to remain are the things that cannot be shaken. So what are they? Is it your house? Nope. Is it your job? Nope. Is it, is it, oh, we could go on. Just get on. Stop giving us a list of visits. All right then, calm down. The only thing that can remain is the kingdom of God and his word. All flesh is as grass, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Jesus said, when I come, I come not to abolish the law and start from scratch. I come to fulfill the law. In other words, the whole Old Testament is not like a, what's the point of that? The whole Old Testament is shouting, it's all about Jesus. He's coming. And if you are new to exploring the scriptures, ties together so much as one book. You've got the different feasts that take place in a feast of Passover that the Jewish people celebrate. And in many ways, the Old Testament is the history of the Jewish people, God's chosen race. But God says, hey, I invite you all to be part of my chosen race now. That's why he speaks of us being grafted in to the family of God. We're part of it. Woohoo! Oh, sorry. We are part of the family of God. It's great. Um, Kevin, I think I've lost some of the cultural Britishness. <laughs> oh dear. Do come for tea. Ah. <sighs> oh. The things that can be shaken will be shaken. But the things that can't, that's what will remain. In the Old Testament, we read about the different feasts that the Jews still celebrate to this day. One of them is Passover. You know the story, if you've seen Prince of Egypt, the story of Moses leading the people out of the promised land. Oh, I, I actually hate that movie. And the reason I hate the movie is because of the last scene where they, he holds out the rod, yeah, the waters part. Woohoo, we made it through. And then they get the other side. And what do they do in the movie? If you've seen it, they all go, yeah, woohoo, we did it, we did it. What do they do in the Bible? Yeah, woohoo, God did it, God did it. You see the difference? And it's time for us, the church, to reposition ourselves away from looking at us. Bless me, bless me. And looking to him. Bless you, bless you, Lord. By the way, if you've not heard me preach before, 
I haven't started yet. I'll let you know when I'm beginning. This is, this is the warm-up. This is just to, to, to kind of get me going. So Passover led into um, the being set free from that place because when, when they saw the blood over the doors in Egypt, the angel of death passed over and the death that they deserved went. Guess what time of year it was when Jesus died on the cross? You can guess out loud if you like. Passover, my goodness, Passover. And at that moment when the blood of Jesus came, the angel of death, the wages of our sin means we deserve to be separated from God forever. The angel of death passed over because of the blood of Jesus. We're free. Woo! And it goes on. The the next feast you come to, which is part of that Passover week, is the feast of the first fruits. Woo-hoo! The first fruits. It's that barley harvest. The first harvest they bring in. They gather it in, and then they have a party. (laughs) The Jews love eating. I like eating. It's good. They feast together. They celebrate. And the first fruit is a sign of this is what's to come. This is a sign of the future harvest that there is to be. Guess what day it was when Jesus came back to life again? First fruits. (laughs) I'll guess for you. The first fruits. On that very celebration day, the same day, that's when he came back to life again in a resurrected body saying, this is a taste of what's to come for everybody. For all of us, we will get to have a resurrected body. Hello, plant. (laughs) I'm going to see if I can get some interaction. What do you think of that? Woo! Amazing. We, we, We have resurrection life. Where, oh, death is your sting. Where, oh, death is your victory. In other words, yeah, we know we will still leave this earth, but we're going to live with God forever. This is the promise of eternal life. I think very often as the church, we stop the story at the resurrection. Or sometimes we stop the story at the day of Pentecost. But the story doesn't end till Jesus comes back and creates a new heaven and a new earth for us all to live in. And there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. It's coming. And in the meantime, they're shaking. There's shaking going on. There's this shaking. Hmm. Well, after the first fruits, you count on seven lots of seven, the Bible says. Seven, seven weeks worth. Seven times seven is? Oh, my goodness. You guys are good. You guys are good. Um, the answer is 49. Put it in the chat. It's too late now. See? Uh, Seven times seven is 49. You count 49 days, and then the next day, the 50th day, is the day of the festival of weeks. Because it's seven lots of seven. Ta-da! It's not complicated, this stuff, is it? Seven lots of seven. Count that on, and that is the time when they gather in the end time harvest. Woo! Fantastic. Guess what day the Holy Spirit came? Which festival did it match up with? Festival of weeks, fantastic. In fact, if you count, we're going to do super maths now. Seven times seven is? Plus one is? And the Greek word for 50 is? Pentecost day. Ah, the season of Pentecost. That's That's what we're in now. This time when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. Why? To equip us for the end time harvest. Not to make us feel good. Not to give us a nice experience so we go, oh, that was lovely. I felt warm and tingly inside. God, yeah. And then go back to ordinary life. No, we are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit in this season. So we're empowered to bring in the end time harvest. Woo. 
This is what Don was speaking about last week, that we the church are called to go out and we're not called to do it on our own. We're called to do it with the help of the Holy Spirit in us, in us. That means when you leave here and we're not here to cheer you on, the Holy Spirit is there to encourage you and build you up. That means when you've got a pastoral issue and Phil isn't around anymore, you've got the Holy Spirit. (laughs) By the way, if you've got any sins you want to confess, now's the right time to go to Phil and confess them and he can take them with him to Cornwall. (laughs) These days that we live in, it is crucial that we, the church, stand on the rock of Jesus. In other words, that we say, do you know what? The things of this world, yeah, we need them to live life. That's whatever. But my one desire is to live for the Lord. So let me begin. Turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Acts chapter 16. Uh, The actions of the Holy Spirit, many people call this. Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to read a little passage. This is the same passage, same chapter of the Bible that Don was referring to when uh, Paul was in prison. They were worshipping the Lord and they were shackled. Do you remember that? And he said, if you feel like the mask is shackling you, come on. It's not a shackle shackle. You'll be able to walk out of here. But just praise God. Let it, let it give freedom. Do you remember that? So this is the same chapter. This is what took place just before then. Verse 6 of uh, chapter 16 of the book of Acts, it says this. Now, when they had gone through Figria, when they'd gone through the place beginning with P and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. What? Sorry. Paul has been told by the prophets and the apostles and by the Holy Spirit and the church in Antioch to go and preach the word. That's his calling, to take the gospel to the Gentiles, yes? This is the great apostle Paul. He wrote much of the New Testament. (laughs) And yet, the Holy Spirit forbids him from preaching the word. Does that make sense? Isn't the very purpose of the Holy Spirit to empower him to preach the the word of God? Isn't it? And yet, at this moment, in Scripture, it's there on the screen. It's in your own Bible. Check it up in every version, including the nearly infallible one, the NIV. It says that the Holy Spirit forbade them from preaching there. Why? What? This doesn't make sense, does it? And, and if you ever have a question on the Word of God, I encourage you, ask it. Demand from the text more, and you will get more from it. You just read it, oh, oh, that was a nice story, whatever. Yeah, but if you say, well, why is that like that? And why did they respond like that? And how should they do it? And what does that mean? Demand things of it and it will start to speak to you. We look at the next verse. Let's see what happened next. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So the first place, they were like masked up. They weren't allowed to share the gospel. The second place, they had to socially distance. They weren't even allowed in there. What's going on here? They said, can you imagine them writing back their missionary newsletter to the church in Antioch, their base church? Dear church, thank you for sending us out and supporting us monthly with your donations. So far, we have refused to preach the gospel in this place, and we've avoided this place. Lots of love, Paul, XX. I mean, it's, a, it's not exactly a ring endorsement for ministry, and yet I would suggest to you, if you know even a little bit about the Bible, that the Apostle Paul had what we would call a successful ministry. Huh. So what, what, what is going on here? 
We read, passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Verse 9, a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with them, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Ha! Now they have a destiny, yes? Now they have a clear word from the Lord and direction. And this is the place where they ended up in prison. Think about that. Some of you, you have deliberately and faithfully stepped out to obey the Lord in some way, and it's gone wrong. You know you had a word from the Lord. You know you are in obedience to him. But right now, so someone here is what, listening. You set up a business in obedience to the Lord, and it looks like the whole thing's going to go bankrupt, and you're like, why? I should have just kept my regular job. What is going on? But what if you are in the middle of the poor moment? The step before the breakthrough. If you've obeyed the Lord to this step, don't you think he'll be faithful to carry you through to the next step? Some of you, you've got children, grown-up children, who you are praying for that they will return to the Lord. Keep pursuing that. Keep pursuing it. That mandate is on it. And if it seems like they are more against the Lord than ever they were before, guess what? That probably means the Holy Spirit's working on them. Have you noticed that? People who are indifferent, it's fine. But when the Lord starts to convict them, there's a kind of, that goes inside of them. Subtitles available. Thanks, Richard. Do you know, Richard, actually, Richard is amazing back there. He quietly is just hidden away, out of sight. He quietly just gets on with everything and holds the whole thing together. It's amazing being here early rather than just turning up to enjoy church. Richard is the man who makes everything happen. Everybody... Everybody needs a Richard, so um, that's great. I've got a few jobs, actually, in my house. Richard, it would be great if you can come and help me. No, I, I, just, I just wanted to honor you and thank God for you and what you do, um, especially as Phil's leaving. No, I'm, I'm just jesting. Um, I actually, I, whilst I've got the mic, I can say whatever I like, although I could be muted, but I've said nice things about Richard now, so that would be fine. Um, I, I just want to take, because it might be my last opportunity to say this publicly, I am so thankful for Phil's ministry. And I, I know sometimes... <clears throat> So, sometimes these moments can feel a bit like a, a funeral service. <laughs> Stand up and say, well, he meant so much to me. Now he has passed on to Cornwall. But, uh, but I, I think genuinely, Phil, as a friend, uh, we meet up every so often. We've met up for coffee, and um, I, I watch him drink the coffee. I don't drink coffee, so I watch him drink it. But uh, there's such a depth and authenticity about him. And I, I'm excited for this next step for him, even if the rest of us are going to be left behind morning. But then I, I wonder that church in Antioch, when they kicked out Paul and Barnabas that first time, they must have felt the loss too. But wasn't it worth that loss to gain what they gained, that the word of God went out into the Gentile regions, and even as far as Rome, which is miles away? So, um, um, yeah, God bless you, Phil. We thank you. We love you. And uh, that's it. So let's dig a little bit deeper into this. You see, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And these early disciples, before they were called Christians, which they were first called in Antioch, which is a kind of nickname for them saying, oh, you think you're little Christ, do you? Look at you all running around and healing the sick and giving prophetically. You're just like little mini Jesuses. Yes, we are. <laughs> They're little Christians. <laughs> it was a kind of term of mocking. Yeah, bring it on. That's what I, who would like to be teased for being like Jesus? 
come on. Amazing, eh? We see these supernatural things beginning to happen. And, and I know this season, that the part of the reason, the series on the Holy Spirit, we're right on the cusp of God pouring out his spirit, not just on Sunny Hill, but on this nation. Because as the shaking's been happening, some people are going, well, where is something that's firm that's not going to be moved? Hmm. So the Holy Spirit is at work. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. And the life in John chapter 14, verse 16. I want to unpack this verse a little bit for us. They're called followers of the way before they were called Christians. Why? Because they're following Jesus and he's walking in the best path for life possible. We we have had so many adventures with the Lord and those of you who know us will know some of those stories. And I know some of you, the adventures that you've had with the Lord. There's nothing better. Sometimes it's like being on a roller coaster. Yeah, you know? You're going up slowly. Oh, this is quite nice view. Oh, quite laid back. And then, ah, what are we doing, Lord? And you're swerving. You just, you, we're not in control of our lives anymore when we've given it over to the Lord. And the Holy Spirit's described as a wind that blows whichever way it pleases. And we find that the Lord moves us into different things. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Let's unpack this a bit. Let's look at the truth, first of all. Jesus is described as the truth. John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, verse 14 around says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, Jesus is this Word who came to live among us. And the two words in Greek, welcome to your Greek school. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a Greek lesson. There's one word for word. One word for word is red which means this is the now word, the in this moment word. It's like the word you give to your child just before they pull a pot of boiling hot water onto them as they grab it, a little toddler from the cooker. And you go, no, that's a rhema word, a now word. They need it in that moment. But there's also the logos word, which is the fullness of God's word in all its entirety. And that that word is like everything that God has to say. It's all of, if you parent-child relationship, everything you want your child to get. Be nice to others. Don't run off with strangers. (laughs) Remember to look after your parents when they're old. Remember to look after your parents when they're old. (laughs) That's my kids there. I'm just making sure that's settled. Remember to look after your (laughs) parents. No, you don't have to look after us. God will do that. You guys go and take the gospel everywhere. Go on then. What are you waiting for? No. (laughs) Um, Jesus says he is the way, the truth and the life. This truth is about him being the Logos word. That John chapter 1 is, it's I, uh, in the beginning was the Logos word in its entirety. Not just a word for the moment, but the word in its entirety. In the beginning, there was this word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. This is who Jesus is. This is his identity. That he is God. Fully God. But also he took on flesh, became fully man to be able to take our place on the cross. I mean, this is like, if you want to know truth that is unchanging, the word of the God, Lord, that will endure forever, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. You want to know what it looks like to live out this word, word of God fully? Look at the life of Jesus. That's why there was a, a trend back, uh, back in the was it 90s, WWJD, what would Jesus do? People wore them on wristbands. So we think, what would Jesus do in this situation? He's the word of God, the truth. And the way, the truth, and the life. What is life? Well, Jesus defines life in John 17, uh, is it three? He says, now this, or two, I think it is. Now this is eternal life that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. In other words, real life is knowing God. 
And you might say, really? Is that right? Yes, because we are made in God's image. And the more we look at God, the more we become like God. In other words, the more we become who we're made to be. Not that we become the divine being, but that we are children of God. That something of his image should be stamped on side of us. That's why it says in the word as Dom alluded to, I think last week he said, by this will all men know you are my disciples if you have Love was shouted really loudly, for those of you not in the room, love one for another. If we love one another, people look and go, there's something about, different about you guys. What is it? It's that sacrificial love that should be seen in us. Should be seen. Of course, it's not always seen because we're not perfect. And if you've been in church for more than two months, you'll know that some of the people here are not perfect. If you've been in church for more than two years, you'll know none of the people here are perfect. <laughs> We're all works in progress, but if you want to see what perfection looks like in human form, it's Jesus. He is the life. He shows us what it's like not just to have the word of God lived out, but to live the will of God fully. We're called to live in God's will. And and I, I struggle with this sometimes with people who say, I want to live fully for Jesus, but I don't want to change this bit of my life. I want to live fully for Jesus, but he'll understand if I do. Yeah, he'll understand. Yes, there's always grace. But why would you want to miss out on what God has for you? Why would you want to miss out on his best? It's like, come on, let's, let's be free from these things. Going back to Kevin's word, let's, let's press in for what the Lord has for us. Let's just kind of break out and start living the will of God to the fullness. But I think some people struggle with the idea of God's will versus his way. Let me explain that for you. So we say, I know it's God's will for me to be married. So they walk into church, find someone who's single and say, marry me. It must be the will of the Lord. Well, not necessarily. It could be God's way. Think back to Paul. It was God's will that he would go out into the world and preach the gospel. Yes, But God's way was that he wouldn't preach it in that place. He wouldn't preach it in that place. But on this journey, he would go to Macedonia to preach it there. God's way was the intentional steps that needed to be taken for it to be fulfilled. The will didn't change. The destination was still the same. But the way was step by step lived out in obedience to God. So we should look at Jesus as our pattern for this, shouldn't we? How did Jesus heal the sick? What was his method? It's really clear when you read scripture that Jesus healed the sick by laying hands on them sometimes or speaking a word or making a paste and putting it in their eyes or waiting three days until they died and then going and raising from the dead, Lazarus. Or just speaking a word, say the word and she'll be healed, you don't need to come. Or by kicking everyone else out. Or by casting out, hang on, there is no pattern, it seems. Why? Because Jesus understood the will of God was to heal, but he needed to know the way of God for this particular circumstance. You with me? The way of God for this particular situation. John chapter 5, verse 19, we read that Jesus' way of doing things for God, his way of living for the Father is this. It says in verse 19, most assuredly, I say to you, the son, that's Jesus talking about himself, can do nothing of himself. Sorry. Jesus says 
speaking about himself, I can do nothing of myself. Anyone else giving a quizzical look? It's difficult for me to tell behind the masks. I'm going to imagine. Imagine, imagine that's the look you're giving. But what he can do is only what the Father does. If Jesus had to continually acknowledge that he needed to listen to the Father and obey and not just rush in and do, how much more should we be ones who listen to the Father before we do? There are many causes of justice that are being raised up around the world. And you will hear more and more of these causes being trumpeted across the media. I'm not going to name any of them because I'll start getting into trouble with someone. But let me say to you, our job is not to look and jump on the bandwagon of a cause of justice. Our job is to stand on the word of God, to know the will of God, and then hear the way of God and go in obedience. And it may look like the outcome is the same, that we're helping someone who is in need. But the process is totally different. So different. It's the difference between people crossing through the Dead Sea and going, yay, we did it. And people crossing through the sea and going, yay, God did it. That we're called to be ones who listen to the heart of the Father and then go. And you go, well, how can I listen to God? (laughs) I I don't even know how to listen to God. Well, a good starting point is to read his word. His word, he will never contradict this word, the Bible that is written. These are, uh, we tell children, this is the best instructions before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E, best instructions before leaving earth. You'll find it in this manual. (laughs) If we read it, it will help and guide us and lead us. That will give us God's word. We'll also grasp something of his will as we spend time praying with him. But to have the understanding of the way of God, we're going to have to learn to hear from the Holy Spirit. And that's why he came at Pentecost. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. It's time for another Greek lesson. Yay! The word for power there is dunamis, and some preachers say that means it's like dynamite, and some preachers act like dynamite. Boom! But actually the word means supernatural enablement, the ability to do what you could not do on your own. Let me throw this out. If you are doing what you can do in your own strength, you are not doing what we're talking about living in the way of God. You've got to get to that point where I can't do this. <laughs> and some of you, you're right in that point. You're like, God, I can't do this. I just can't do this. And, the, and you're, oh, God, will you come and do something? And the Lord says, okay, do this. You're like, oh, well. And he gives you a step of obedience. And usually our response, well, not, I'm not going to put it on you. My response, often my first response is, can't I do something else first, Lord? <laughs> it's usually, sometimes it takes a little bit of courage, doesn't it? Ring up that person and apologize. <laughs> They should apologize to me first. <laughs> no, no, we're called to live by the way of God. Called to live by the way of God. Uh, a friend of my parents is called John Dean, and he's, um, he's, he's a guy who's used greatly by God. He's in his 80s now, I believe. Um, but when he was a young man, and by young man, I mean he's about 20, 21 years old. When he was a young man, he was at home, didn't believe in God, wasn't following the Lord at all. And uh, as he was at home, he, one morning he got a little knock on the door. Oh, there's a sound effects now. Look at that. Woo! Can they hear that through that? Can you hear that? It's like, yeah. It's multi-sensory is going on. 
And he opened the door, and there was this old lady there, this elderly lady, and she said to him, Hi, um, it's me. I, I, I live at number 27 on this road. Um, it's going to be a bit awkward, but I was praying, and I felt God telling me to come here and tell you that Jesus loves you. And John went, Thank you very much, and closed the door. The next morning, opens the door. Hi, me again, number 27, again, praying again. Lord told me to come and speak to you and share. This went on day three, four, five, ten days in a row. This lady came and knocked on his door to share. In that time, he was standing in the post office in the queue going to post a letter. And there was another queue next to him here. And this guy, this gentleman on the other queue looked at him and he said it felt like this guy was looking right inside of him. Have you ever had that experience where it's just it's like people seem to know what's going on inside you? And he saw this man do that and then turn away and start weeping. And he's like, a bit lot, pay my postage, get out of here. Next morning, hi, Jesus. after 10 days of this, he went, I'm going to church. And he got in his car and started driving. The first church he came to, was like, it seemed dark on the outside, he told me. Next church, it still seemed just straight dark, as if it wasn't anything obvious. It just seemed dark. Moved to the next one and the next one. Next, He drove for about an hour and a half to get to the other side of the city, where he finally saw this church that seemed to have light coming out of it, got out of his car, went into the church, sat down near the back, and the preacher was preaching. The preacher had red eyes because they'd been weeping so much for the lost. And as he started preaching, he had an altar call saying, if you want to repent and give your life to Jesus, to come off the shaky foundation of this world and put your feet on the firm foundation of God's goodness, then come forward now. And John thought, I've had enough of this. He got up to walk out and found himself standing at the front of the altar. And people gathered around him and started praying for him and experienced the power of the Holy Spirit come into his life. When he stood up and turned around there in the congregation, three rows back was his neighbor, the elderly lady. And when the children came out from Sunday school, one of the Sunday school teachers was the man from the post office. And this man went on to lead many to Jesus in his life. And I'm sharing this story with you, not because, wow, isn't that man's testimony great? It is. But I'm saying, what about the woman's testimony? What about the young guy in the post office? Is there not a church that Jesus can use? Is there not a body here who could be his hands and his feet? That we could say, Lord, what's your way for me today? What do you want? What's your agenda for me today? What do you want me to do for you? What? This lady, she was praying, Lord, what can I do for you today? And she felt the Lord say, go knock on that guy's door. Number 54, whatever his door number was, and tell him that I love him. How would you feel about that? Pluck up the courage, go do it. I did it. Day one, day two. Thank you, Lord, you used me. Now what shall I do for you today? Go back. Oh, no, again, it's embarrassing. The spirit of Britishness comes upon us. But she didn't. She obeyed the Holy Spirit. She obeyed the leading of the Holy Spirit because she didn't just know the word of God, the kind of arena of safety which God gives us to enjoy, or the will of God, the purpose for which he's put us here on earth, but she was seeking the way of God. What does he want me to do today in this moment? Hmm. And the young man in the post office with his antennae out, he's just posting a letter, just popped to the shops to post his letter, but he's there enough to see and be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing, that he sees something in this man and starts to say, Lord, do something for him. What, what if Sunny Hill was filled, or uh, Life Church in Hereford, what if you were filled with people who were like this? What if all of us were just, Lord, what can we do for you today? What can we do for you today? What's your agenda, Lord? What, what, what is it that you want of me? 
I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on anything that God has for us. Think about this. The Bible tells us that 500 people saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. But in the upper room, when the Holy Spirit came, there were only 120. What happened to the other 380? I don't know. Were they too busy? Was there not room and the live link was down? I don't, I, I don't know. But I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't want to miss out on what you've got for me. Do you feel the same way? I don't want to miss out on what you have for me. I want the fullness of all that you have for me, Lord. I want to encounter and experience the fullness of everything that you've got for me. And we could share so many stories of that simple obedience, but I know many of you know this for yourselves. You've had that prompting to call somebody up and they go, oh, thank you, I just needed this today. Or that little nudge where you start thinking about someone in your prayer time, you pray for them and you discover it was just what they needed in prayer. That we're called to not be an ordinary people, but a supernatural people. And that's only going to happen when we're empowered by the Spirit of God. It's only going to happen when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. That the Lord wants to use every single one of us. Um, Acts chapter 15 verse 12 says this. And I I love this verse um, because it kind of highlights something of the partnership God calls us to have with him. Acts 15 verse 28. It says, Yep. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than was necessary. And this is a little thing the church had got together. They were trying to work out how to deal with these Gentiles. Some were saying they need to follow all of the law. But there was a bit of unsettlement going on. And it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. In my mind, there should be a full stop at that moment. <laughs> That's good enough. <laughs> it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Full stop. Move on. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need my agreement in this. But God wants us to agree with his Spirit. And he wants us to not just check our brains out. You might have met some Christians like this. Um, You're like, I didn't brush my teeth today because the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to. I didn't get dressed because the Holy Spirit hasn't told me to. I haven't washed for six months because I haven't heard a word from the Lord. I've got a word for the Lord for you. Wash! (laughs) You don't use your brain. ah, What's wrong with you? but that we also have our ear leaning onto the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? In every city, what do you want me to say? Who do you want me to speak with? How do you want me to pray? If there's someone who's sick, it says lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Huh. Well, let's do that. Let's just simply obey. What if, what if God doesn't answer? Well, what if he does? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if we stop thinking what if and we start thinking, okay, God, even if I look stupid, even if nobody gets healed, even if everything goes wrong, I'm going to do it. And then each time, Lord, what's your way in this circumstance? What do you want me to do along the way? As Phil promptly reminds me that I'm supposed to be finishing, I still have time left on my clock, which is there, at least another two hours. I just feel a sense of worry from some people now. It's, I'm not going to go on for two hours. It's okay. You're fine. People at home are like, well, I can click off. That's easy. Three responses to what I've been talking about today. Well, there's four. The fourth response is go out and carry on life as normal. Just ignore it. I, I, I wouldn't encourage that. That would make you like one of the 380 potentially missing out on what God wants in this time. 
But the other three responses are this. The first one is you recognize the need to repent, that your foundation has not been on God. It may be that you've kind of been turning up to church to fulfill your duty, tick, but your heart has not been in it, that you've not desired the Lord, or that you know that you are doing things that are against what God's best is for your life. The Lord says, come on, we can do better than this. When, when your children have an argument, not that your children ever would because they're all perfect. Those of you who have, have kids, I'm sure. But if they were to ever have an argument, you don't go, well, you can carry on arguing if you like. Do you? Or do you encourage them into something better? And our Heavenly Father wants us to live a better life with Him. When He's given us His Word as a way to live, it's not to discipline us so that we have a miserable life but it's to bring us into line with his word so that we can have a fulfilled life as he intended. So the first response may be that you realize you need to repent. And I encourage you to do that. The second response is that you realize you've never encountered the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, we read of a group of people who'd given their lives to the Lord. They've chosen to follow Jesus, but they'd never had the Holy Spirit on them. Paul asks, what baptism do you receive? Oh, just the baptism of John. We got dunked in water. <laughs> and he says, well, now it's time for you to be dunked in the Holy Spirit, to be totally immersed in the Spirit of God. Hmm. You receive the Holy Spirit. And your third option of a response is to say, Lord, revive me. <laughs> and, and you may say, well, I'm already fully revived. I'm absolutely perfect walking with Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Next time, bring 3,000 with you. <laughs> yeah? But I don't know. For me, I'm like, Lord, I need more of you. And the more I find of the Lord, the more I want of him. The, the apostles were baptized in the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, but they were filled again and again and again and again as they kind of sloshed out the Spirit of God that had been put on them to those around. They're like, Lord, we need more. We need more. And when opposition came, they didn't go, oh, it's so hard. They went, Lord, I need more. I need more of you. Help me to live for you. That we ask God to revive us, to repent and turn from our sin. Or the second R was to receive the Holy Spirit. The third R was to re revive, ask for revival, to be revived, made alive to the Lord. Um, if you're willing and you want to respond in one of those three ways, whether you're sat at home in Life Church, in the hub, we love the hub, um, or here in this room, I want to invite you, if you come to this and you're able to, I want to invite you to stand up as a way of standing before God. I'm not going to go around with a mic and say, are you standing because you want to repent, revive, or what's going on in your heart? We want to know. That's between you and God at this moment. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray over those who are standing. Yeah, if you want to join, join with them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I thank you that you are a good God. Lord, I pray first for those who are repenting before you. Even as your Holy Spirit has been convicting some. Lord, I thank you that you promise us if we confess our sins, you will forgive our sins. So we say thank you, Lord, that you are a God of forgiveness. And thank you that you promise to accept any who come to you, no matter how much mess there is in our past or even in our present. 
Lord, we just pray that freedom, freedom from sin. Lord, those who are standing to receive your Holy Spirit, we ask, Holy Spirit, come now in the rooms, in all the different places where people are listening. We ask you, come Holy Spirit and fill each one of us. Lord, we ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be released. And as we're praying, some of you may even be sensing something happening inside of you or or finding something happening. Well, Lord, we just pray, pour out your Spirit right now in this place. And finally, Lord, we pray for us to be revived by you. Awaken us up once more to the things of your kingdom, that you will be our one passion and our one joy. Lord, we pray over this whole community of church. Let there be no sickness in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just pray all sickness go in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray stir each one of us that we won't just know your word or the will that you have for us, but that day by day we will walk in your way. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.